Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on Talk Sport. Uh, good evening, welcome, hope you are well. You're listening to Fight Night with me, Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on the official home of British boxing, Talk Sport. Every single Saturday night, myself and Gareth get stuck into all the major issues in the fighting world for a good couple of hours. We have a right old chinwag and we invite some of our friends from the fight world onto the show to discuss those topics with us. Tonight, you can hear from Tony the Bomber Bellew. He's going to be with us in around about 15 minutes from now. Joseph Parker, the WBO heavyweight champion of the world, will be addressing purse splits with Anthony Joshua. Scott Corker, the main man in charge of Bellator, will be with us as well. We'll chat about his show in Israel this week. We'll also talk to him about Conor McGregor making him a few quid and a bit of publicity on last week's show. Callis Sowland's going to be here as well, talking about the World Boxing Super Series and where we are to expect Groves Eubank Jr. UK, Manchester, he'll answer all the questions a little bit later on. Also, Don McGuinness will be keeping his eye on everything that's going on at Belfast Reborn for a little bit of Frampton action, because he's in action tonight a little later on. Gareth A. Davis, welcome, my friend. How are you? Wow, that was amazing. You didn't even breathe then for a minute and a half. Breathe, Pumped Adam. That's some. wonderful. That was that was amazing. It was like listening to the old Wheel Tappers and Shunters Club, where he'd, the, 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 the longest, most kind of erudite <laughs> and eloquent kind of speech I've ever heard. It was a brilliant thing. Carl Frampton, of course, in Belfast at the moment. And um, Jamie Conlon, by the way, fighting Ancajas mm. down in the first round with a weird Very ankle weird. sprain. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, it, listen, we're, we're here on these Saturday nights now and it's absolutely extraordinary what fun it is. Like you say, it's fight night now every Saturday night. There's so much going on. This is the on. home of British boxing, my friend. The, well, you ain't well, getting I, it anywhere else. Uh, I think it's brilliant. This uh, is where you know. you're getting it. 10 o'clock, Saturday nights. This is where you can get your fix. And if you listen to us on the podcast, you can listen to us whenever you want because we're available all week long. You, all you've got to do is hit the subscribe button. Well, what's great as well is that, you know, at the moment, behind the scenes, Ad, the, there are so many kind of algorithms, complex algorithms going on. With with regard to the heavyweight division, people are spinning plates, aren't they? Gareth? They are really They're are spinning, spinning plates. plates. And, and the good thing is, we've got a lot of behind the scenes information tonight. Um, like I say, we spoke to Joe Parker. Um, we know what's going on with Eddie Hearn and, and Sky at the moment. Um, there, there's other people chiming in on what's going on in the heavyweight division. Um, the point is. The public wants to see Anthony Joshua in the toughest fights. That's it. Does the name Alexander Ustinov mean anything to you? To me, yeah, but to the man on the street, no. Well, he's the World Boxing Association mandatory challenger. And if things don't get in order with Deontay Wilder and Joseph Parker, Mm. who people have heard of, Mm. who are Anthony Joshua's main challengers... We may see Anthony Joshua fighting this guy Ustinov in uh, in March. Well, you on know? that, on that. Well, let, let, let's say 
because Parker's coming later on in the show. He We're going to be speaking to Joseph a little bit later on. Uh, we've also got... Just before he goes to church as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The time difference. He'll be going to church Sunday morning over in New Zealand, no question. Uh, so we'll get stuck into him a little bit later on, and we'll get all the ins and outs of what is currently going on between him, Anthony Joshua, and the negotiations a little later on in the show. I want to start the show, though. With a little bit of Tyson Fury, if that's all right. Because uh, Tyson, he, we spoke last week. He's starting to look all right on the pads. You've seen the interaction on social media, on his Instagram. He's posting videos, doing a little bit. He's looking quite well for a big lad. He's still got to shift a few pounds, no doubt. Maybe he can get on that fantastic diet that you used over the last 12 months there, Gareth. It's not a diet. Well, it's a way of life. It's a way of life. Thank you very much. Sorry, my friend. It's a way of life. Maybe that's we, the way we like. That's th- what we like to hear. That's it. We could, maybe we can get him into that way of life to get him into the ring at some point because he's looking quite handy on those pads. But one thing that he has put out there on social media this week is uh, asking the fans who they want his comeback fight to be against. So let me give you a little bit of a rundown. This is what he put out there. I'll give you fascinating, the, isn't it? I'll give this. you the percentages of what came back as well. So <laughs> on the poll uh, that Tyson put out on his social media this week, uh, do you want to see him fight? You mentioned Ustinov's name there. So do you mm-hmm. want to see him in the ring with Char Ustinov winner? Do you want to see him in the ring with one of those? Do you want to see him in with Shannon the Cannon Briggs? Let's go, champ. Uh, do you want to see him in with David Price, the last Englishman to beat him? Um, in the amateurs. And you want to see him in with Alexander Povetkin. Now, the percentages that came back from the people that were answering Tyson's poll were 3% for Char Ustinov. No surprises, Gareth, as you've just pointed out. Shannon the Cannon comes in top of the shop, 43%, narrowly beating Pricey, who was at 40%, and Povetkin comes in at 14 I'd have gone with that. I'd have gone with a toss of a coin between uh, the two that have come out on the top. Let's discuss. Do you want to see him really in with the granddad that is, Shannon the Cannon, let's go champ? I don't. I don't, but I could see it happening. It's the kind of perfect warm-up fight for Tyson Fury to demonstrate his pawing befuddling skills in the ring and he'd make Shannon Briggs look stupid before knocking him out in six rounds. Um, no, I don't want to see it. Not in a million Sundays do I want to see that. You know, uh, I, But it is the kind of thing that could get him ready for an Anthony Joshua fight. Blows the rust off. Any one of those? Yeah, any any one of those. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Alexander Ustinov, wasn't he scheduled to fight him anyway at one mm. point? I yeah, think. he was, yeah. Um... Look, uh, the, the the key with Tyson Fury is he's still a long way from coming back. I mean, I, I don't want to ruin the poll because, or the poll, as we say in Blackburn. Exactly. The poll. Listen, if you want to ruin it, you can ruin it, mate. Go for it. No, I don't want to ruin the poll. Look, we. I think anyone in boxing, mm. there's, there's, there's there's certain sections of the community with ne- that would never like to see Tyson Fury back. Mm. You know, he, ups- he upset certain sections of the community. They don't think he has the right to be in a ring. They don't believe he has the right to have a public profile, but he does have the right to a voice. And, you know, I don't agree with a lot of the things he says, but he's. I, I'm speaking from the point of view as a ma- of a man who has been in a one-birth caravan with him, yeah. Mm. Spent the afternoon in a one-birth caravan. I was going to say, it wasn't a holiday. It wasn't a, like a little trip no, down to Bognor. No, no, so he was living in it, right? He's yeah, in I a, know he was, but you weren't like on a little jolly holiday with him no, down at Brighton Beach, were you? No, I really wasn't. <laughs> I'd just been to pick up some gas bottles with his dad, John. As you do. Yeah, um, we were up in the wilds of Lancashire. Yeah, Proper place, my friend. Proper, that's where, no, that's where they met proper men. It, mm. it was amazing. It was on a farmstead. He was preparing for the Klitschko fight. Yep. And I went out to get gas bottles with my in my Merc with his dad. First of all, picked nowhere open. Um, so we drove around this industrial estate, came back. I sit in the one berth caravan with Tyson. Yeah. He's being watched. Uh, Huey's in another caravan. Yeah. And Peter and and uh, John Fury are living in a in a three berth caravan. This is not yeah. fabricated. This is real, by the way. Caravan. No, this is real. Yeah. yeah. And uh, 
So I spend the afternoon in in the one berth caravan with Tyson. Yeah, he's six foot nine. Remember, he he, he he's standing inside the caravan. His neck has to be bent over from his head when he because <laughs> he can't stand up in there for a start. You know those tiny little tables in a one berth caravan with a like a, a sofa on either yeah, side. Yeah. I'm sitting there. He, he, he heats up his food in the microwave. He's just had a training session. He's pulling out all the spinach. I can't stand green stuff, he says. So he's eating kind of pasta and, and salmon, and he's pulling out all the healthy green stuff and chucking it in the bin. He's bending over. We're talking about all kinds of things, actually. Uh, you know, we don't get involved in politics. We don't get involved in sexuality. Obviously, he spoke about those things afterwards. And mm. I, when I interviewed him that day in the caravan, and we had a great time, um, he did talk about a lot of things, but I didn't hang him out to dry because mm. I questioned him mm. on um, the things he was saying to me. And a lot of it was sending me up. Mm. And I think what I'm trying to say about Tyson Fury is he's a fascinating character. He's a very interesting character. I've actually just texted him again because he didn't come on last night. No, he let us down. he was at a Lionel Richie concert with his wife last night, and his, uh, last week, and his phone ran out of battery. And I've been texting him all week, and I know he's reading them. And the thing is about Tyson, I want to see him back in the heavyweight division. I do, yeah, I think yeah. everyone does, Adam, Absolutely. because he's value. You know, that afternoon I spent with him was fascinating. At one point, you know, I said to him, would you run for MP of Morecambe? And he actually had a serious think about it, you know. <laughs> um, and, and look, he, I, I think... But a lot of people will, will, will batter me for this, but I think he's very misunderstood in public. Um... He does, I th- a lot of what he does is for fun. I, d- I don't see a bad man. I don't see, obviously he's got spite in him. He's, he's been a heavyweight champion in the world. He fights for a living. But I think there's something um, quite compelling about him. Mm. And I think he's, even though Anthony Joshua is a star, I think Tyson Fury is a star in the same way that Mike Tyson was or that Floyd Mayweather was. They, he appeals to... to a different class of society. Yeah. He, he appeals to different people that want to be more, more subversive in the way they are and uh, more edgy. You know, Joshua isn't edgy. He's the middle ground. He's the he's very very cultivated. He's very controlled. He's very managed. And I think Tyson Fury is a great antidote. And I think if we don't get him back, Tyson Fury for me is another stage on from Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder's a great fight for Anthony Joshua, but Tyson Fury is on another planet. And also, he's a better boxer than Anthony Joshua. Let's hope he can get himself fit. Let's hope he can get himself back in there. Um, get in contact with the show tonight. All the things that we're talking about are open. The, this is your show as much as it is mine and Gareth's. Do get in contact with the show. 08717 is the telephone number if you want to converse on anything that we're talking about or if you want to join in with any of the guests that we've got on as well. 81089 is our text messaging number. And if you want to get us on Twitter, it's at Adam Castrol at Gareth A. Davis DT. Uh, they're the Twitter handles for you to get in contact with the show tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! The 
first fight, I wasn't good enough. That night, I turned up to fight Tony Belly, March the 4th. I wouldn't have beaten any of the top 10 heavyweights. He's absolutely gobsmacked that I have been able to last in a ring with him. He's amazed. He doesn't rate me whatsoever. I know deep down what David's thinking. He thinks he's going to come in and blow me out, probably in a Roy Jones, Montel Griffin-style rematch. But uh, he's going to be so, so badly wrong. I think it was more of a, a game plan thing. It was more of a, you know, maybe letting letting the emotions of it get to me a little too mm. much and maybe I let him get under my skin a bit too much and mm. I just wasn't quite myself. I didn't feel like that was the best version of me walking out there. What you see is what you get with me. But what you're seeing right now is not what you're getting with David Hay. It, it's a bit of a... What you're seeing in that first fight, the way he conducted himself, that's him. That is him to a T. That's just the way he is. He's an egotistical maniac. Tony now knows he can beat David. He doesn't think he can. And whereas David... David has to lick his rules. He got it wrong the first time. He's hoping he can adjust that now. This fight is going to show me whether I've still got it or I haven't. Either way, it's going to be entertaining for everyone else. But for me, after the fight, even if I win, I may retire. December the 17th could be my last ever fight. Listen, that could be my last ever day, but even if it's a bad night at the office. And that's harsh to say on radio, but that, that's the, the fact. December 17th, make sure you listen to TalkSport because we've got it live, we've got it exclusive. We will be ringside at the O2 Arena for Bellew Hair, part two. Uh, revenge, a repeat. One man that knows. He knows it's repeat. I've been I've been in his company this week. We need to stop meeting like this, Tony. But I've been in his company this week. Gareth, it is, of course, Mr. Tony Bellew. How are you, buddy? You well? I'm OK, thanks, mate. Chilling out and relaxing and... Uh... I thought you were going to start rapping the Fresh Prince theme then, mate, for a second. <laughs> chilling out, <laughs> chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool and all. We'll go for it. If you want to do it, we can do it. I'm chilling out, mate, just relaxing, no rapping. Uh, I'm just watching the boxing, mate. Puzzled to see uh, J.B. Coughlin just come up short on the night here, watching it now, and mm. uh, gutted for him, mate. Tough form for him tonight. He'll come again. Good kid. I mean, the kid that he was fighting yeah. against tonight is a top, top lad, you know what I mean? And uh, I'm sure he'll come again at some point. I don't mate. know what it is with the Philippines delivering southpaws with, with a once with a straight, <laughs> you know, do you think he's ever watched Manny Pacquiao, that kid? I think, I think he might have watched him a couple of times. Yeah, I think he's studied his whole bleeding career and yeah, he's yeah, based yeah. his life on him, probably. Mm. Now, uh, listen, I've told Gareth not to talk football. We're not going to talk about your boys today, all right, if that's all right okay. with you. I don't mind, mate. I, you know, there's nothing I can say that can make things uh, any worse or any better. So, you know, it's, it is what it is, isn't it? You know, at the point... <laughs> Evening, Tony. How are you doing? How are you, guys? You okay, mate? Yes, good, thank you. I can hear the uh, the hard <coughs> training camp you're going through at the moment. I think when I've heard you on radio recently, I know when you sound like I got a cold. Knows you do. I know you're doing hard sparring. Listen, I've got to ask you. Going into the first fight with David Hay, you said you respected him as a boxer, but yes. yeah. And I've got the headline on a piece that I wrote, a big piece I wrote, a big interview with you up in Liverpool, where you said, "But he's not a good human being." Um, there was fear, you said, the last time around, which really got you on the on your toes for the fight. Do yeah. you have the same fear this time? Is it difficult to generate those same feelings after you, you know, had this fight with him already? You've been in the ring with him. You went all those, whatever it is, 10, 11 rounds with him. Um, is it difficult to generate that same feeling, that same fear, if you like? No, no, I, I have it still 100%. You know, he hit me hard enough in that fight to make me to let me realise and let me know that 
how dangerous he is and that the fight can still end at any moment. You know, I get back in the ring with him, it couldn't end in 20 seconds, Gareth, and if, if I give him a shot that's easy enough to daze me or leave me stung at any moment, the next shot could be the one that finishes my career. So I have every fear of him still. I mean, I go into every fight with fear because you're worried that you just want to get home safe because when you're at the level that I'm at, <clears throat> you've got to remember the last... I can't remember how many fights it's been on the spin. Four, five, six fights have all been at elite world level mm. of me career. And you go in with these guys and they're just as good as you. You know, some guys are faster than you. Some guys are stronger than you. Some guys uh, <clears throat> are more durable. Some guys are this. They all have good attributes. And for me, uh, I've just been fortunate enough that I've been able to, to make my attributes pay and I've been able to make my game plans work. I've been very fortunate to have a brilliant coach like Dave Caldwell who comes up with the game plans and we, and we just get there and we get the job done. But uh, that fear may will always be in me because ultimately I know you know, when I'm walking to that ring, the only, the, the greatest fear is, is not getting home. So, you know, I go in there fully prepared every single time. Yeah, but Tom, this time, he's injured. He's, he's telling us all, he's it. he ain't going to be there. He's is it a ruse? Yeah. Is it a ruse? Oh, he's playing with his head, man. That's what he's doing, isn't he? Well, he trained for Sky Sports on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, mate, and he, uh, he looked fantastic. I'm sure the video footage will be put out there soon. <laughs> so, you know, on Tuesday and Wednesday this week, he looked fantastic in the gym. Sparring for them, uh, he done a ferocious pad session, bag session. Uh, he done various different movements in the gym. So they said he he looks light, he looks fast, he looks explosive. So you know, let's just wait and see. Sounds worrying, Tony. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what, mate? I, 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 I sound worried, don't I? You know what? I just I take it in my stride, guys. I, I don't. Uh, I don't really, I, I don't really pay much attention. If I'm being totally honest, I use them on my social media. Uh, don't get me wrong, you know, if something gets shown to me, uh, then I'll watch it. They made last for the last fight. They made me watch the gloves at Oscar because they wanted me to like commentate on it as it was going on, mm. and I was like, you don't really need me to commentate on his training or what he, the way he's living. I mean, it has no. It has no reflection on the fight, you know. He's he's taking the Mickey by drinking protein shakes out of cocktail glasses. It's all just, it's all for the for the cameras like and actually he's not really trying. Like I really wasn't training like that. Tony, so, do, uh, do you think do you think this time round because last time there was animosity, obviously, as you yes. were building up in the press conferences and stuff like that, and you, there's nothing this time because you're not biting into anything that is is being yeah. said or done, do you think this maybe is a different tactic in order to see if he can get under your skin and, and get you thinking in a different light? Uh, I wouldn't know it, David. I mean, he definitely trying to get under my skin. I mean, listen, I only have to look at him to infuriate him. He absolutely despises me. He wants to take my head clean off my neck. I, 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 only, I, I only have to look at him to say that. When we got up close at the last press conference, and I just, I just said to him, you know, very, very quietly and well spoken. I just said, David, this is a great act you're putting on. The acting lessons have paid off. So, <laughs> you know, it's brilliant what you're doing. And he, and he smiled, and then I said to him, "Just show us now, now the real you." And when I got, I was that close to him. I could see him biting the inside of his cheek because he wanted to laugh. <laughs> and, but he just, he, like I said, biting the inside. Of his cheek. He made if the super you know, only wanted to punch me in the face there and then. But he's uh, he's trying his very very best to 
to not let me get under the skin. Like I said, his excuse in the last fight is he didn't perform to the best of his ability. To be fair, he hasn't mentioned the injury himself, which mm. he didn't need to because everyone's seen it. But, uh, you know, he's saying he let, I got under the skin, I annoyed him, I frustrated him. Uh, well, if that's the case, we haven't even got started yet. It's funny, you know, Tony, it's a serious point, this. You, you, it, it's a very good point about David and acting because um, Amir Khan's gone in the jungle this weekend. I'm a celebrity. He's obviously going into yeah. Brisbane on, on Sunday. Yeah. Um, and it, it was after the, the, you know, he came back with his tail between his legs after the Klitschko, Vladimir Klitschko fight on a rainy night in Hamburg. We were all there in 2011. And he went on I'm a Celebrity. And talk about being a good actor. I mean, he was very good on the screens. That was what managed to turn his career around. Yeah. I mean, managed to relaunch his career on the back of that. I know Amir Khan's trying to do that. But I think yeah. David Hay has always been extremely good at selling himself. The severed heads of the Klitschkos. He is, yeah. a, but but also I think I no, he he is a great salesman. Listen, Conor McGregor's a great salesman. Floyd Mayweather's yeah. a great salesman. You have become a so great is, salesman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, listen, Tony put it all. I will never forget the night in Everton, the balmy night in Everton. I'd never been there before. Goodison Park. When this man we're talking to now put everything on the line, and this is a man who's loved this club since he was a, a very small child, and you love it more. You love it. It's it's your family, and then Everton, and yeah. then boxing, isn't it? And the thing yeah. is with you, Tony, you said you could have never shown your face again there if you'd lost. And yeah. I watched you there that night and you were extraordinary. And I've never seen a happier man with his children afterwards. And your wife screaming for a new kitchen. And the fact that Adam was in your house this week, what was his kitchen uh, like? It's mint, it's mint. Yeah. Was it? yeah. And his wife does a fantastic, fantastic cup of tea. She looks after us, did Rachel. She's so she's got the kitchen oh, now, has she? She wanted Rachel... to show it off. She wanted to show it off. Come on, lads. Come on, come in I'm, the kitchen. I'm glad Tony finally got that kitchen sorted out, Frank. Because I've been hearing about this kitchen ever since the Macabu fight. Ah, super. <laughs> Ransbanker. You always get what you want in the uh, she, We know who the boss is in your house, mate. I saw it this week. I know who's in she's, charge. She's beautiful. She's beautiful, I'm Rachel. Totally honest, mate. I wear the keks in this house. She just tells me what colour one. <laughs> Brilliant. Listen, man. I'll let you get back to your evening. Top man. Thank you so much for being on the show, buddy. Take care. Cheers, Tony. Pleasure, guys. See you soon. See you in a bit, mate. See you in a bit, mate. There you go. We've got live and exclusive uh, coverage of his fight, by the way, coming up December 17th. Make sure you're listening to Talk Sport. It's a Sunday night, the Sunday before Christmas. It's Bell You Hair. It is part two, and it's live and exclusive on the home of British boxing, Talk Sport. Let's uh, get a quick uh, update with Don McGuinness because the uh, Jamie Conlon fight has ended and it's not gone well for the hometown. No, it was a, a torrid six rounds, really, that Jamie Conlon endured against Jerwin Ankahas from the Philippines. The pretty boy, well, he was very reminiscent of his countryman, Manny Pacquiao, with some of the spiteful bodywork. It was excellent. From his point of view, a perfect performance, really. Conlon down in the first with a delayed shot. He was down five times in total. One was ruled low, but in the sixth, again, just a, a barrage of bodywork, and, and he just had no answer. He was cut as well. He was bedraggled, and he looked a, a, a sad figure, really, at the end. Jamie Conlon, absolutely devastated, but he was was just far too good. It was a step above. It was an IPF super flyweight title and Anker has just shown the Belfast crowd that he is a star. Many wouldn't have known too much about this Southpaw from the Philippines, but, you know, they certainly do now. He, he's given Jamie Conlon a real lesson. Next up, of course, it is reborn. It's all about Carl Frampton, the 9,000 in the SSC arena, all to see him with his new trainer, Jamie Moore, new promoter with Frank Warren. Is it going to be a new performance as well? He lost his WBA flyweight title, at featherweight title to Leo Santa Cruz of course, back in January, not fought since then. What are we going to see now? Is he going to be reborn? So it's the main event. It is Carl Frampton against Horacio Garcia. Uh, well, let's see what Carl can bring to the table.
Uh, it's all coming up very, very shortly. Don will keep us up to date with that as they make their ring walks uh, and the like. Coming up in the next half an hour on this show, we are going to be getting stuck into the Hall of Fame. Um, and uh, Well, I'm not going to reveal who it is yet, but it's an absolute cracker. It's coming up in the next 15 minutes. However, next, we're just changing chords a little bit. We're going away from the world of boxing. We're going into the world of mixed martial arts. Uh, because last week, you may remember us talking about Conor McGregor and his antics at Bellator 187. Well, we're going to talk about the man that's in charge of Bellator. Scott Corker is on the show next. I've done something new for this fight. I've murdered a rock, injured a stone, hospitalized a brick. I'm so mean, I make medicine sick. more base than Bootsy Collins. You versus me, that's like Ali versus Foreman. God's act. How you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport, your brand spanking new home for British boxing and boxing in general, fight sports in general. This is where it gets covered on a week-to-week basis, exclusive on TalkSport. Um, now then, we are changing chords a little bit. We've just had half an hour of boxing. I think it's only fair that we get stuck into a little bit of mixed martial arts. Definitely. Because we were definitely. talking about Bellator we're, last week. Yeah, with, uh, with well, I'd been at uh, Dublin, hadn't I, with Conor McGregor. Oh, you were right but in the thick of it. Was, I'm calling it, I'm now calling it Mad Mac Beyond the Bellator Thunderdome. That's very good. No, oh, thank you very much, Adam. Are you a journalist? It only took, no, are, you, are you a journalist? <laughs> it only took me a week to come up with that headline. Um, it was bonkers. Mm. It was absolutely bonkers. And you know what? There was video footage afterwards of him kind of bragging about it outside Conor mm. McGregor which was very poor you know I mean it was a massive publicity haul for uh, for Bellator and Conor McGregor wants a share of the UFC profits mm. you know 100 million view extra views I think he got them digitally Bellator and Bellator is really beginning to challenge the UFC in terms of who they're signing up obviously they're owned by this huge media conglomerate Viacom mm. they own Spike and Channel 5 over here now it's a big deal over there they're bankrolling a big 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 heavyweight tournament next year as well and you know Scott Coker's at the head of it he's very well respected in that whole mixed martial arts industry mm. 45 years in the industry yeah. if I haven't made him too old there yeah 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 but I might have well, you may, well let's ask him if you're making him sound a little bit too old because he's on the show right now the main man when it comes to Bellator is Scott Coker Scott welcome to the show how are you I'm doing great thanks for having me on excellent you must have been laughing all the way to the bank last week my friend with that publicity free publicity from the notorious one yeah, I mean, listen, you know, Conor McGregor, he's the man. And uh, when he shows up and something happens, and, you know, it's going to be everywhere. I mean, uh, it's a, it went viral worldwide, and uh, it made quite a, quite a big impact. I mean, it it didn't do you any harm when you had the the, the show on delay a couple of hours later and it oh. had gone viral on the internet. I think there were reports, Scott, that there were 100 million views of it on, online. I mean, you, we can't condone that kind of behaviour in, no. the, in the fighting arena, though, can we? I mean, and presumably... I mean, the, the, Mike um, Mazzulli, Michael Mazzulli, if I'm, is it Mike Mazzulli? It is, isn't it? Um, he yeah, was, Mike Mazzulli. He was the commissioner in charge. He's also the president of the, the uh, Association of Boxing Commissioners in the United States as well. He will take, he called it assault the day after on the Sunday mm. because one of your officials, um, believed to be Michael Johnson, was punched in the face by Conor McGregor and the referee was assaulted, Mazzulli said, when he'd actually re- reasoned it and looked at the video evidence. It's pretty serious um, when, 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 when assault is called on a fighter who's not actually in action. Yeah, you know what, that, that's really the issue here is that, um, you know, I, uh, I read, you know, both sides of the document and and uh, or the side of the of the of the you know official and, and Connor's apology, and, and basically, you know, I think it was you know somebody got excited, Connor got excited, 
And uh, he, uh, you know, he went in there, and it was his boy. It was his, actually his bodyguard that was fighting. That's right, Charlie Ward, so yeah. Very emotional to him. Mm. Yeah. And, and then, you know, but, you know, to actually push an official, slap Michael. I mean, you know, that, that's when you get to the point where, listen, this, if he was, let's say he was licensed in a state that Michael Mazzulli was regulating on, Michael told me he would have suspended him for uh, uh, indefinite. You know, he would have been in big, big, big trouble. So, you know, these are the kind of things that, uh you know, you don't want to happen. Nobody in the sport wants that to happen. No. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's just, uh, uh, you know, hopefully this is a one-time situation and, and then everybody moves on. I'm, I know I know, we're talking kind of Bellator with you, not UFC, but in a, in a weird way, a, a ban for Conor McGregor does him a favour because he doesn't have to fight uh, Tony Ferguson, who I spoke to about half an hour after the, those events in Dublin. Let, me, let, let's, let us ask you this, Scott. In fact, let me ask you first of all, we were listening to Muhammad Ali just before uh, you came on air there. You've, you met Muhammad Ali twice, didn't you? And it, and it really changed your life. Yeah, you know, I, you, I grew up a big, big boxing fan, studied martial arts. I was just a combat sports fan. And uh, well, the first time I met Muhammad was just at a baseball card show, and he was signing autographs. This was in 1989. Uh, but the second time, which was really memorable, was we were at the Bellagio Hotel. I was working with K1 at the time uh, in Las Vegas, and uh, we did this fight. And, and Bob Halloran, who was director of sports at the time for the Bellagio, the Mirage, invites Muhammad Ali because uh, Muhammad was in town, and, and he comes with his wife. And Bob says to me about an hour before uh, the fight's about to start, he says, hey, do you want to go up to Muhammad's suite and hang out? And nice. I'm like, uh, yes. That's a definite yes. Let's let's." That's going to be something that's on the bucket list and, you know, forever in my memory bank. So we go up there. He comes out, staying in this palatial, probably 5,000-square-foot suite, the Bellagio. They took very good care of him, as they should. And out comes Muhammad. And I'm not kidding, Gareth, for the next 45 minutes to an hour, he was doing magic tricks and elevating and doing all his little elevating. You know, things that he does. Elevating. Yeah, elevating. Yes. He's the greatest of all time. He floats he on what he floats, man. He doesn't walk. He floats, does the guy, okay? Yeah, I mean, he, he elevated. He's doing all these magic tricks. He drew pictures for us. He drew drawings of him and, and Joe Frazier's fight and him and, you know, Kenny uh, Norton's fights. And he was, it, it was just great. It was something that I'll never forget. And then Ali comes to the fights with his wife. And uh, I'm not kidding. As soon as he walked in, the, the, you might as well not have had anything going on, like fights or anybody, or not, you might as well just shut it down because as soon as he walks in, all eyes are on him. They start chanting Ali, Ali, Ali. This was in 2003 uh, when Michael McDonald, uh, the kickboxer Michael McDonald, won the uh, the World Grand Prix. Uh, no, I'm sorry, the United States World Grand Prix for K1 of that year, and uh, Ali went into the K, into the ring and presented uh, the trophy to Michael. He came out, he's having a hard time, and guess who comes up to help him? Mike Tyson. Wow. Mike Tyson wow. goes up and helps him down. And, and and I'm not kidding. Michael Jordan was in the house. Leonardo DiCaprio was in the house. You're just name-dropping now. There. Scott, you're just name-dropping now, man. No, you are no, no, you, no, you no, Pick no, these no, up. No, these no, are clang, here, clang, clang. No, but here's the thing. It's not name-dropping <laughs> because I, I'm telling you, no one even knew that they were there because wow. everybody was, was talking about Muhammad. This yeah, like, really? Yeah, Ali, yeah. Ali, yeah. Yeah. It was just he just had that that just magnetic charisma that you know it's undeniable he's number one. Mm. Listen, the, that 
I love that story, and I could talk about Muhammad Ali all day long. But let's talk about Bellator first of all. You've had an ex- you've had an unbelievable week this week off the back of the Conor McGregor stuff. That's one thing. But then you go to Tel Aviv. You've had a fantastic show there. It really is growing. A lot of people here in the UK, when they associate mixed martial arts, they will probably sort UFC first. But Bellator is hot on the heels, man. You're signing some serious talent. Yes, and we're very excited about the heavyweight tournament coming up. We got eight big brands, and you know some, and we invited. Guys that uh, are fighting a 205 pound weight class, and these these guys were not forced into this tournament. We said, look, if you would like to come in, we're going to host a heavyweight tournament. All of them accepted. They all said we want in, and they all want to come out. And, and at the end of the day, is, is this going to be a a true test, you know, of of you know character and will? And it's going to be a great martial arts contest, and it's going to be uh, throughout the year. Uh, we'll we'll have some more details coming up soon. But to have Rampage Jackson. Uh, to have Fedor Melianenko, Frank Mir, King Mo, Stop it. Fader, Mitrion. Stop it, you're teasing, you're teasing me. Stop it. Stop no, it, it's going to be an... And, one, <laughs> and I hear that when, when you um, went to Tel Aviv this week, which was a sellout, um, Fedor Melianenko and a couple of the other fighters, Noad Lahat, who served in the Israeli Special Force as well, they met uh, President Netanyahu, didn't they? Who's a, who's a Krav Maga yes. and Taekwondo player as well, I understand. Yes. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, we were invited to come meet uh, Netanyahu, and uh, he uh, was in Jerusalem in his offices, and the fighters came by, and Fedor and Hoist Gracie uh, with uh, the, the with Noad and also uh, Haim, and uh, they met, uh, you know, the prime minister, and, you know, what an honor. I mean, it's uh, for the prime minister who studies martial arts to reach out to us and say, please come by. I mean, this is, you know, he's the prime minister of the country, and when the Prime Minister asks you to stop by, you, you should stop by. You stop by, exactly. That's exactly what you do. Scott, sadly, we've run out of time, which I'm absolutely gutted about. I'd love to keep you on and just keep talking about this heavyweight tournament and obviously the UK talent that we've got, the likes of Paul Daly and what have you. And Linton Vassal, oh, man, we could McGeary, be here Liam McGeary, yep. yeah. uh, But Scott, listen, we'll have to do this again. You know, we'll, we'll, as, yes, as we definitely. do more UK shows, we'll definitely get you back on, Scott. Thank you so much for your time this yep. evening. I know Sounds it's precious. Good. Take care, man. Good night, Scott. Thanks, guys. I know. Superb. Uh, Scott Cooker, the, the main man when it comes to uh, Bellator. I know we got a break, yeah. Ed, but I tell you what, it's time people stopped calling martial arts cage, dirty cage fighting mm. or human cockfighting because when you get a prime minister of a country or presidents of a country wanting to get involved in a sport and understanding the value of it, it's time for it to be Well, understood. that's what we're here for, mate. That's what no, we're here for. Right, over, yeah, the, over the next yeah. couple of weeks, what we'll do, we'll try our very best to have a little section where we can maybe give it a bit of history and how it's changed over the last five years because the game has cleaned up a lot. There's a lot less... Well, they're a lot sharper on the old drug cheats and there are a lot... No, th- that's a, a lot, very big thing that's happened There's in the a sport, lot more regulations it, within yeah. the sport of, and, and it's a sport that me and you both love, so we'll, we'll try and get into that over the next couple of weeks. Do stick around. Coming up next... We're taking you to the Hall of Fame. You're going to love tonight. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact 
you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want Salon Perfect Nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Olive and June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know. I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at oliveandjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at oliveandjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. Hall of Fame. Uh, now then, every single week we induct somebody into the Fight Night Hall of Fame. When I say somebody, it could be anything connected to the world of fight sports. The first week we went in for a trilogy, Bohr versus Holyfield in the heavyweight division, because it was on this day in history. Um, and this week, it's kind of along those same lines, but I'm only going to pick one of the guys out of the trilogy to stick in there. And it's a man that Gareth has covered many, many times, a multiple weight world champion, a man that has fought, um, well, he's basically fought himself out of poverty as Manny Pacquiao. That's where we're going right at this moment in time, because on this day in history, I'm taking you back to 2006, he was fighting Eric Morales for the third time. There's an interesting story regarding this fight in itself, but the trilogy was what defined, or, or, or was the catalyst, I suppose, to the rise of Manny Pacquiao. The Manny Pacquiao that we see nowadays that he's fighting and he's been involved in all these great uh, battles with some fantastic fighters down the year. For me, it was the Eric Morales fights that really began began uh, that uh, that ascendancy into superstardom. And the third fight, which happened on this day in 2006, uh, was stopped in the third round as Manny Pacquiao knocked out uh, Eric Morales. There's an interesting story regarding this uh, because the doctor told him not to fight this particular fight. It was one apiece going into it. This was what we would class as a rubber match, a great trilogy. How many times have we talked about trilogies recently, Gareth, that we need to see trilogies between these top fights? Hopefully we're going to see some in the heavyweight division in the not-too-distant future. But in this particular fight, Manny had a temperature of 40 degrees <laughs> on the morning of the fight. He was told, listen, you can't do it. But he thought to himself, listen, I only need to land clean once and away we go. Third round, lands on the chin, bing, bang, bosh, wins the fight. And then he says, his career just goes into superstardom. As he says, the reason why I fight, it's God's will. <laughs> and that is where the man comes from. And I'm telling you, I have almost had... I cu I've covered his career very, very closely, Ed, for about 12, 13 years around all his fights. And there is something special. He's a caveman. He's an utter Neanderthal caveman <laughs> when he fights. Calves of baby. His, his calves are like babies' heads. Do you know what I mean? They are huge. He is an extraordinary little fella. There aren't many boxers that go to the ring 
praying to the Lord, smiling and singing on their way there. And he's one of them. He's a very, very special individual. As you rightly said, he literally fought his way out of a cardboard box. He lived in a dusty um, barangay, uh, a shanty town uh, mm. in uh, in Kibawe, and and you know stowed away on a ship at the age of fifteen to go to Manila to fight on a small TV show at the age of sixteen called Blow by Blow. He ran away because his dad ate his dog. Yeah, his dad ate his pet dog. Yeah, he threatened to eat his pet dog. He stowed away on a ship. He gets on this show. He sleeps on the ring apron for two years as a hod carrier. And he gets on this show blow by blow. He's earning four dollars a fight and he's sending it back to mum and uh, his five siblings. Incredible story. Incredible rise. Amazing. When you speak to Bob Aram, his promoter about him, there are so many similarities with Muhammad Ali. And if Muhammad Ali had been around today, maybe he would have become a senator Mm. like Manny Pacquiao has become in the Philippines, a congressman and now a senator. He's an extraordinary character. It's about time for him to retire. Mm. There's not a lot left. But that whole passage of victories over... Um, Ricky Hatton, Oscar De La Hoya, um, the, the, the Cotto fight, the Clotty fight. He was, he was just incredible in that period. You know, I think it's just a shame that the, uh, the Floyd Mayweather fight came three or four years too late. Mm. And it's a shame he wasn't allowed the injection in his, in his shoulder. He is a huge modern legend, eight weight world champion. People have questioned how he was able to do that, but he's got this massive head. Yeah, this massive head, this powerful neck, and incredible self-belief because it's God's will. Well, on this day, in 2006, he knocked out Eric Morales in the third round, and that is why we're inducting him into the Hall of Fame. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on Talk Sport. If you've only just joined us, where have you been? You've missed Tony Bellew, Scott Corker, inducting Manny Pacquiao into the Hall of Fame. Luckily for you, we've still got quite a lot to get through, including speaking to Joseph Parker, the WBO heavyweight champion of the world. Kala Sauland will be with us shortly as well to talk about the World Boxing Super Series and the upcoming fight between Eubank Jr. and George Groves. Uh, and we'll also uh, be checking in uh, with the finish of the Frampton fight, which is currently taking place uh, over in Belfast at this moment in time. Now, time for a little bit of Cultural Corner. Now, it doesn't take me to tell you that every now and again, fight sports does cross over into the cultural world, whether that be movies, whether that be music, whether that just be everyday life. Life can imitate art at certain times, and I think it's only fair that we touch upon that on this particular show, because many of us are inspired by some of those movies that we've seen down the years, or those pieces that we've read, or those songs that we've sang along to whilst we're in the gym. Obviously, Gareth's in there five days a week, pumping the iron in the iron, iron paradise. Uh, listening to Eye of the Tiger, aren't you, my friend? But I'm also pumping the pen, yeah? Pumping the pen? Pumping the pump, pen? Well, well, that not, sounds like a euphemism. You no, can't be saying no, things like no, that no, on this no, show. What no, are you doing, I'll man? Pump the pen with my fingers. What? I, <laughs> stop it, man! You're going to get us taken off. Ofcom are going to be ringing I, in a minute. I pump the pen with my fingers with my notebook. Ah. ah. So, so what I'm You're saying... You're talking about <laughs> words. The yeah. wordsmith. But, you know... We're listening to the, the music that accompanied the Bronx Bull, the Raging Bull, of course. And, and the thing is this, Ed, mm. there's no... I think cricket does it as well. 
because there's a, an ability to write about cricket in the way that you can about boxing. There is no more emotive sport. There's a reason why Ernest Hemingway came to the sport, why Norman Mailer came to the sport, mm. why so many great writers have put their pen, taken their fingers to their pen, <laughs> to their notebook, yes. to write about boxing. It's such an emotive sport. It's the story of adversity. It's the story of race. It's the story of immigrants. It's the story of struggle. It's the story of promoters be always being... Um, the emperor or the aristocrats mm. and the slaves fighting for their freedom all the way back to the gladiators of Rome. And Carol Joyce Oates, nice. who I'm mentioning for Cultural all Corner right. today. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, the, she's in her late 70s now. She's a brilliant writer. Um, she's written a lot about boxing. She did a, a couple of uh, tremendous interviews with Mike Tyson when he was in his pomp. Really sympathetic, really captured him about how he was... A self-obsessed in a struggle he was in. He hated himself. His loathing, his self-loathing was off the charts. It's weird when you meet Mike Tyson today, he hates people loving the fact that he was once Iron Mike because he's a humble, spiritual he's a man different today. Guy. Um, and, and she wrote some brilliant stuff, you know. I mean, there's, an, there's some, the cruelest sport you mentioned earlier when we were chatting about this in 1992 where she writes about, um, you know, that boxing... Um, it has, has a stylized mimicry to the death. Hmm. Um, you know, yet its mimesis is an uncertain convention for boxers do sometimes die in the ring or as a consequence of a bout. But what she also talks about, which is brilliant as well, um, boxing is about the escape of race. It's about the glorification of race as well. She got, There's a book she wrote on in 1987, um, Joyce Carol Oates on, on boxing, in which she talks about... It's called On Boxing for people. It's that called On Boxing. Yeah, have a look at this book. It's extraordinary. Series of essays. It's fantastic. About, about the history of boxing. And, and what really struck me was this passage on how she'd look back in time and how um, during gladiatorial times in Rome, um, the noble fighting art of the gladiators had become so popular with the aristocrats that it was kudos to have gladiators stabled in your villa yeah. with their children so your children grew up with their children and your children became gladiators and in 500 AD after death Theodoric who was the emperor then banned aristocrats from being gladiators because over a thousand aristocrats including women had become gladiators because it was seen as this lifestyle yeah. this and you can you can understand why you know you, you see it today in many senses that you know you see army officers want to be boxers or there's a nobility in boxing but it's a very if i take it back to to what she she wrote about in 1992 it is the cruelest of sports it as is well. indeed uh, and she's very poetic with her language definitely check that out it's a wonderful shout that guy well done uh carol joyce Oates. that's the name of the author just in case you've never heard of her before the book is called on boxing all right so carol joyce Oates on boxing it was released in 1987 you're probably able to get it on Amazon or something like that. Get Definitely. your hands on it because it's, it's beautiful. Absolutely tremendous. It's an omen. Uh, last week, Gareth Davis did suggest that we have uh, a webcam or some type of streaming service in this uh, studio whilst we do fight night on Saturday nights here on Talksport. And I think the reason is because he enjoys a little bit of a dance in between all the tunes. You got your rev on, mate. Got your rev on. Definitely. Uh, you are listening to Work Fight Night. 
It's me, Adam Cartwell, Gareth A. Davis, going through uh, everything in the world of fight sports. We've got Josie Parker coming up very, very shortly, so make sure you stick around for that. Uh, right now, though, I think it's only fair that we uh, tap into um, world-famous boxing promoters on the nights off, Gareth. You know what I mean? Normally they're ringside, normally they're putting on big shows, normally they're stressed to the eyeballs with making sure that everything runs to time. And on the night off, they like to just kick back, chill out. We like to bug them on those, uh, on those nights off, don't we? Definitely, and uh, this guy's definitely going to be in a pair of slippers and a pair, no, of, a pair of silk pyjamas right now, I reckon. He's got, I reckon he's got a kimono on. Silk pyjamas, a yeah. big fat cigar, the kids are in bed already, <laughs> and he's sitting there with the missus watching a romantic movie, opening the wine. Is that how it's going down, Callis Ireland? Is that how you roll in tonight, my friend? Good evening, gents. Yeah, the, 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 the silk pyjamas are on, slippers are on, and I've got a big cigar just about to, just about to be lit. Listen, um, I, do you want me to touch on the, uh, on, on the football first, Gareth? Because I know that you wanted to. I know that you wanted to give him a little bit. Take it away, no, Big no, A. Listen, no, we're... we're, we're conversation. No, no, no. We are risking now losing our guest now for the next 10 minutes. Shall we have a go? I've got low battery. <laughs> <laughs> For those that don't know, Keller is a big Spurs fan. Uh, North London derby a little earlier on today. Didn't necessarily go your way, mate, did it? No, it was Mike Dean's day. Uh, <laughs> uh, He's blaming the ref. Yeah. That's what they do. Promoters do that, don't they? They you blame know, the ref. When their fighter doesn't get it, that's right. We tend to. We tend to. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't our day. But we're still, we're still above them in the league. Just, yeah. All right, then. Let's get stuck into some uh, boxing chat, my friend, because you've got the World Boxing Super Series, which I've got to take my hat off to you. When we first saw it, the cruiserweights, when you announced all them, everybody was absolutely salivating that at the end of it would get one world champion. When the super middles came out, it was, okay, and then you drip feathers, and then at the end of it, it was like, all right, we've got a tournament on our hands. And now, you must be delighted, first of all, with those quarterfinals, because every single one of them have, have just absolutely blown us away. Every main event, produced, haven't every, they? Yeah. every main event has lived yeah. up. You must be absolutely ecstatic. That's why you've got the silk pyjamas on tonight, Caller. Chilling. Well, well, you know what? When we set out to do this, we wanted to bring a Champions League-style uh, tournament to boxing. And I think eight weeks back-to-back travelling the world um, with probably the most impressive production setup I've ever seen. Hmm. Um, it was spectacular just, just to work with 16 absolutely gifted athletes, um, you know, on obviously, you know, around, around the shows, the whole side programming. I mean, you just go look at the website and see all the, all the different side programs we've done. Hmm. But of course, the, the fight nights, which have been you know, spectacular. But I think, you know, we, we're now at a very nice stage uh, obviously, going into the semi-finals, there's some real crackers. Wow, I mean, um, absolute salivating stuff. No, it is, isn't it? I mean, shall we talk cruiserweights first? Because I'm going to be honest with you, Usyk. To be fair, you can't pick one, can you? In the semi-finals, every one of them's an animal. But Usyk, for me, I mean, he, mo- he moves. I don't know about you, Gareth, but he moves like a blooming super middleweight, does Usyk, and whacks like a blooming heavyweight. He is ridiculous. Yeah, I've got to be honest. I, I wasn't um, as excited about the cruiserweight tournament as I was the super middleweights. Right. Um, maybe because it resonates more in the UK. Yeah, OK. You know, there isn't a Brit in it, but uh, the super middleweights is a very exciting... Very patriotic, is Gareth. No, no, it's not that. It's, you know. No, no, it's not that. It's just that the, the British... It doesn't resonate as much with the British public. I'm just being honest about it. And it doesn't resonate as much with the British media. But in boxing terms 
per se, yeah, it really does resonate. And the problem is, you know, trying to uh, instigate our editors to, to write about the likes of Usyk and when we've got 12 or 13 British world champions, yeah. and they know they're sal- um, our editors are salivating over the growth of Callum Smith. Um, not his growth, but the growth of Callum <laughs> Smith. And, and Chris Eubank and the possibility of George Groves fighting. Yeah. Jamie Cox was in it, of course. Probably the weakest in the eight in terms of Jamie Cox. But it, it was the super middleweights that got me buzzing. But I agree with you. Now that we're into the tournament, what I love about what you've done, Keller, is that we saw it with the classic Super Sixes back in the 2010-2012 era. Carl Froch and Andre Ward became mm. stars from that. Mm. And I think what you'll do is you will make those cruiserweights into bigger stars as a result. Yeah. Yeah, no, you know, I, I, you know, I always say, you know, when when I'm promoting normal shows, let's say outside the tournament, uh, in the past, you always look as a promoter, you, you look to tell a story. That's what we're there for. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, we put together fights and we tell stories. Uh, the nice thing is, this is sort of ready-made because the storylines they get made during the tournament. So, if you look at, especially the super mids, if mm-hmm. you look at that week, and it was seven days between, obviously the. The the uh, the hell of Stuttgart with uh, you know seven eight thousand Turks, uh, Chris Eubank Jr. walking to the ring, um, cool as ice with a Union Jack draped over him, where there was uh, you know I would say one of the most hostile environments I've ever seen uh, in, a, in a boxing arena, mm. uh, doing a job on on Yildirim, uh, and then a week later when you had four rounds of real toe-to-toe stuff between uh, Jamie Cox, who everyone said, OK, he's got a good amateur record, but he, I mean, he really turned up. You know, he, he, yeah, he wasn't did. there to make up numbers. Mm. Really turned up and, and had his moments, especially in the first round. Mm. Um, and uh, George put on the perfect answer to Chris Eubank's absolute statement the week before that he had arrived. Yeah. You know? And I think those that week set the tournament onto you know, sort of white-hot level uh, in terms of the UK. And, and Gareth, I totally, totally get where you're coming from. I mean, you know, as, as, a, as a leading member of the, the British media, I wouldn't expect to see it any, any way other. The only thing was that the cruiserweights for me were absolutely necessity towards, uh, towards the people behind the tournament, towards the shareholders, to deliver what we always said, and this is the best against the best. Yeah. And, no, no. Uh, I, I think you to be no, Callie. You're to be applauded for it. But but all I'm saying was, I mean, I was just. It was just in answer to Adam's question and, and the way you know what you guys were speaking about. In it, it, I hope that these cruiserweight weights resonate with the British public afterwards. Mm, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, I I would love to see the final in the UK with the cruiserweight final and the uh, and the super middleweight final on the same card. Is that a possibility? He's already taken the cruiserweights out to um, Middle East, aren't you, my friend? Yeah, we're oh, yeah, but hang on a minute on that, Callum. Yeah, if I, I, if, if you can sort me and Gareth out a ticket, that'd be wicked. We, we'll get on a plane for that, won't we? We'll go out to the Middle East. <laughs> well, right, we'll, take, we'll do the show live from That's there. That's it. That's what we'll do. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you'll both be there, and I'm looking forward <laughs> to see you ringside. But I think I think if you look simply at, at, at the lineup of of the four semi-finals, um, you know, I think it's it's what fans want to see. You know, mm. and it's and it's on a regular basis. It's 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 not trying to interfere with other promoters, what they're doing, you know, every, you know, boxing, especially in the UK, uh, it's doing a great job. The promoters doing great. The fighters are doing even better. Um, you know, you said yourself, 12 to 13 world champs. Uh, that is speaks for itself. 
um, it was a few years ago when there wasn't a single world champ or yeah. one, one or two world champs. Mm. So I think it's booming in the UK, but it's about giving that, you know, that, that feeling that you, as a sports fan, you know now, next year, eight weeks, it's going to be always back-to-back, uh, quarter-final season in, in September, October, then you've got your semi-finals January, February, and the finals in May, and, mm. and, and, and it's something that you can, you know, you can grasp in boxing. You know, everyone knows... Uh, the FA Cup finals in May, Wimbledon's in uh, in yeah, June, good. et cetera, et cetera. And, and it, it, it's something that, that fits in the sporting calendar. Boxing has always been about big events, and that should totally continue, and it will continue. But this is something that sits nicely above that. If I could just add in here as well, I mean, what I think you've done brilliantly, which we had in the clue classic Super Sixes, which Adam will remember as well, is that it dragged on for too long. It was over two years, two and a half years, yeah. wasn't it? Whereas... You, you've got the right pacing for this. It was one of the reasons why James DeGale couldn't be in it because he was injured, wasn't he? I don't know whether he was in the in the reckoning. But but Calla, the, of, course. of course he was. They, well, I, well it, if he wasn't injured or wasn't getting surgery, yeah, yeah. you think he'd have been in it then, yeah? hundred percent. I mean, I think the credit is uh, you know whether it's the DeGale or Groves, Eubank. Uh, all these guys, DeGale would have been in it, 100%. I don't think he's ever backed out of a fight. And I, I don't think uh, Cross would, would mm. like to a fight. And, and despite what people think, Eubank doesn't back out of fights no. because I got his signature in 48 hours. Regarding stadiums and where we're going to be seeing uh, some of these fights for British fight fans, can you confirm that we've got Eubank Jr. and uh, Groves? I'm, I'm assuming it's in England. Um, in and February. The, and the talk is Manchester. Is that confirmed? Uh, we'll confirm something next week. Um, <laughs> there, will be a, there will be a press conference next week in England, um, and it will confirm where that is. It will be in February, um, but I, I've got to keep my lips a little bit sealed. Okay, tonight, so we'll take that as a yes. We'll take that as a yeah, Gareth. We'll take that as a yeah. So regarding uh, Callum Smith, then obviously he's uh, up against Bremer. Are we getting neutral ground with that? Are we going to Germany? Is it happening in the UK? What's the situation with that one? That one is that one's still totally up in the air. We're looking at both. Okay. Uh, Liverpool, Berlin. We're looking also at one neutral um, arena. Um, that I expect in the next couple of weeks as well. We'll know. But next week is the big announcement. It will be Eubank Groves next week. Uh, the, the announcement for, the, for that one. And there isn't. Are you, are you saying, Calla, Just just to. Just on the record, are you saying that there isn't a, um, there's two stadiums in in the U, in, in London? I suppose you could put it on. Uh, it's Wembley, the SSE Arena in Wembley, and the O2 Arena. Are they not viable at the moment? The, the biggest issue we have in the UK is you could put this fight pretty much anywhere. Uh, the biggest problem I face is outdoor in February. Despite my mm. thinking that you know I'd love to do it outdoor because I think. I know, I know a lot of people will say, hold oh, on, February, you crazy as I am, but um, I, I think you could make a real thing out of it, but there's not a, a, there's not a ground in the country that is uh, available mm. uh, to, you know, what happens with the pitch and when you go mm. on a pitch uh, in, the, in, the, in the middle of the season. Um, so we're looking at indoor venues, and we want the biggest venues available. At the Sky, unfortunately, they, um, you know, they're, they're very booked up, and we've made pre-reservations on certain venues, 
Um, but I think everyone will be happy where, where, where we land. Top man, Callum. Looking forward to it. Listen, get back to the uh, silk slippers and the uh, pyjamas and the cabernet that you've just cracked up, mate. Enjoy your evening. <laughs> Thank you, James. <laughs> cheers, <laughs> cheers Callum. Good night. Top man. Uh, Callum Sowland there. Uh, one half. Uh, the better looking half of the Sowland brothers, would you say? Well, I don't know. I don't really <laughs> judge them in that kind of manner. I think they're both great gentlemen from Highgate School where they, where they uh, had their public school education. But I tell you what, he has got a terrific fight on his hands there. I mean, the initial offer was quite a lot less than several other opponents that um, Joshua has fought, and the ratio was closer to what any regular voluntary would get than you would expect for worldwide unification. So we, we were disappointed, but, you know, it is a negotiation and the, the talks are ongoing. David Higgins there, talking about the Joshua... Parker potential fight coming up in the heavyweight division. Listen, I think it's only fair. It's, it's all right me and you sitting here spitballing about this and maybe saying what should and shouldn't be happening. Mm-hmm. Let's get one of them on, shall we? Shall Absolutely. we get the WBO heavyweight champion of the world on? Seeing as that he's uh, kicking back in New Zealand at this moment in time with friends and family, enjoying himself a little bit of downtime. Josie Parker, welcome to the show. How are you, my friend? Thank you. Good morning from New Zealand. Look at that, a eh? time Hi. difference. He's enjoying. He's enjoying the sunshine. We're in the middle of the night, enjoying the dark and rain of London, my friend. Yeah. He's enjoying a bit of sunshine down under. Yeah, I just um, you know, it's a nice thing here in uh, New Zealand. The sun's up. What can I say? It's uh, something to enjoy the sun and be happy. Listen, Joseph, we've we've spoke on many many occasions regarding um, fighters. They'll fight anybody. They just want the contract signed. Let's get on there and let's get it fight. But when you get to your stage of your career, there has to be, it has to make business sense. And a lot of fight fans will probably look at this and maybe think to themselves, well, listen, you, you're, you're a heavyweight champ. He's a heavyweight champ. What's the hold up? Let's get it on, man. But regarding what we just heard there from uh, your advisor, Mr. Higgins, it's got to make sense on your behalf, hasn't it? Yeah, I think, um, like you said, you know, both fighters want to get it on. You know, I, I feel like there's interest from his side to fight. I'm very interested to fight and sort of unify the belts. But um, it has to make sense uh, business-wise. And I think it's it's uh, it has to be a deal that everyone's happy with. Um, David Higgins, um, you know, we heard from there, Joe, um, Joseph, who spoke to us uh, or spoke to me earlier in the week. And he was saying that, you know, that there is the sense that the offer is creeping up that it was he fact he said uh, when he got the first offer from Eddie Hearn he thought it was a hoax email because the offer was so ridiculously low yeah it was um, it was a pretty low offer and it was an offer that we as a team uh, weren't going to accept and were happy with so I think it just comes down to you know, discussing with the team discussing with their team negotiating and just finding common ground that we can sort of agree on and, and that, like I said everyone's happy with uh and I think it just it just needs to go up a bit more to to what we think is uh, fair. But I understand that the the, the deal. Uh, what would I understand in the background is that Sky are very keen. Sky box office over here. Uh, Joshua's televisual paymasters are very keen on him fighting you next. They don't want a, mandat- uh, a mandatory defence of the WBA title against Alexander Ustinov, who doesn't resonate at all with the British public. He, they want it against someone who's really going to resonate. And obviously, you hold one of the belts. But I understand the offer has been creeping up over the last 10 days that there are daily talks going on? Yeah, there is. There's daily talks going on and there's, uh, no, there is improvements on the offer. Like I said, it keeps creeping up, but um, I think it's, uh, it's, nearly, it's nearly where we um, sort of want it to be. So I think we, if we could continue to talk and if we continue to negotiate and 
um, work through it, then I, I think we can make something happen uh, really soon. There is another option, though, that you don't take the Joshua fight at all, and you go to China, where you've got a big offer, and you fight Zhang Li, who's number 11 <laughs> or whatever with the WBO. You get billions of people watching. Why not take that? <laughs> I think uh, yeah, it will be good to... <clears throat> like Joshua's the, um, the fight that we want, because I wanted to... Listen, I don't, it's not that I want to fight him now. I wanted to fight him two years ago. I, I love to challenge myself, and I love. I want to fight the best in the world. And I think he's one of the best, so that's why. That's the reason why I want to fight him, and also I want to unify. But if we don't get the fight now, um, there are other options that we can look at, and other options that we can sort of take to to keep working and to keep like China. What we need to practice, like China, like China. <laughs> yeah. like China. That's it, man. Imagine being a superstar in China. <laughs> Listen, I've noticed that um, off the back of these talks, and obviously with the um, what you and your team refer to as an insulting offer from Eddie, I've, I've noticed that Lucas Brown started to get a little bit lippy on social media, man. I think he fancies a little bit of an antip- antipodean uh, ding dong down under. What do you reckon? Yeah, I reckon um, you know it's uh, there's another option as well. I think that the great thing about the division now is there's so many options and there's so many fights that we can make. And I think Lucas Brown will be a great fight as well. I think uh, his record's a good record and he's a big, strong and powerful. Um, I think if I did get a fight with him, I'd be a lot faster, a lot more agile and I can move um, dance around him. Joseph, what do you make of... I mean, we speak to many heavyweights on this show. I mean, we had Tony Bellew on a little bit earlier on and Dillian White's been on the show and a few other guys and what have you. And they look at you, and this is, listen, I'm not saying this because I'm a small guy. You're a big guy, all right? And I know that you could take me to China, right? But however, they, w- <laughs> they would look at you and they would maybe think, out of all the heavyweights, that's the option that we would like to take. How do you view that, man? Do you take that as a bit of an insult? No, I don't, I don't take it as an insult. In fact, I, it's an option they'll take. So why don't we make a fight happen now? You know what I mean? <laughs> so if, it's, if, if, they, if they see me as an, as an easy option, take me now. Find me now, and then uh, I'll show you what the easy option can do. Regarding, obviously, you you were over here recently to fight Huey Fury in England. Is that the plan? Do you want to be over here earning your crust a little bit more? Because obviously, in New Zealand, I know full well I've got pals down there, and you are like a superstar, man. You are you you can't walk down the street without getting stopped. You've got to touch babies and do all the baptisms and all that type <laughs> of stuff. I think. But oh, is is that the aim for you? You and your team, you want to be over here in the UK. This is where you want to be earning your money. Yeah, I, I mean, I love fighting back in New Zealand and I love the support I get here, but I guess uh, the heavyweight division is uh, booming in the UK at the moment, so I think it's time for us to uh, sort of have more fights there and, and try and, uh, yeah, like I said, fight the heavyweights out of there because uh, there's a lot more heavyweights there than there is here in New Zealand or in America. So in your, in your opinion then, regarding the deal, because this is what you're going to keep going back and forth. I know that the fighters don't get involved in the deal, but where's your, where's your head at, man? What What is an acceptable offer percentage-wise, from Eddie Hearn's team in order to get you back over here to get this fight on? Well, I think uh, you know, I think uh, for voluntary, it's isn't it 20%, for mandatory, 30%. So our team was looking at uh, 40%, but, you know, the first, if, um, I'm willing to take 35%. If it's left, they're willing to uh, give it, but I guess I have to t- talk to the team and have a discussion and see if everyone's happy with that, but I think that'll be a, a really good deal. Do you know something? I think 35%. For a guy that one guy holds one belt, one guy holds two belts. If you divide it logically, that kind of works out mathematically in my head. Do you know? That's well, they ca- do. But you, you speak to David Higgins. You talk to some people in the sport, and, and they know that Joseph's a, a threat for Joshua as oh, well. Yeah, you can I mean, the, the, we the know thing he can is, hit. Well, well, it's, it's like um, you know, uh, David put this, and I, I, I put this to me in the week, uh, Joseph, and I'd like to put this to you as well that. 
it's a they're already very wealthy men he said Eddie Hearn and Anthony Joshua but you really do want the opportunity because you've earned the title come up the right way and earned it to change your Samoan family's life forever and also for several generations of your family and it is a big fight and it it is a unification fight and it will be in front of 60 70 80,000 people so you know 35% Maybe you're not asking for enough. I mean, you're off to church short, shortly, aren't you? You're going to be praying for that or not? Potentially, <laughs> probably. I'll be praying for fifty-fifty. While you pray, while you're praying, are you going to sing a song? Because I'd love you to sing a song that you sing in church for us. I heard you can yeah. sing, baby. Oh, I can. Uh, you know, my voice isn't too bad, but I, I play instruments a lot. You know, you piano. Maybe when I'm at church, I can go on the piano, and play a song, and hopefully, you know, sing and, and pray that the, the deal gets done. Wow, we want it to be done. You are right in what you were saying, though. This is a, this is an opportunity now to change lives forever because you've earned it. Whether whatever anybody says, you were the mandatory challenger. You've challenged for the vacant belt. You became the WBO champion. You've got yourself in a situation now where. You're, you're at the table to negotiate. Don't sell yourself short, my man. Every time we've spoken to you, you've come across as a decent geezer. Don't sell yourself short, and fingers crossed we'll see you back here in the UK doing that fight. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I look forward to I look forward to locking something in. I look forward to uh, being there again and putting on a great uh, great fight for everyone to watch. I'm, I'm pretty excited. So, well, hopefully we can get the deal done, and then it's on. And if you say, well, if it, will it be a stadium in late March, April for you? If it does get done, yeah, the, the, day, the day we're looking at is you know, a day in March or April. But I think we're all in a sort of move it if their team wants to move it. But um, I think we just got to agree on a good day and then uh, time to unify the belts. Top man, wow. listen, do me a favor, Joseph. I, I know you're off to church now. Do we say a prayer for, uh, for Gareth? He needs it. He needs all the help he can get. Yeah, and make it sing, baby. Yeah, Gareth, I'll pray for you, <laughs> Thank you, thank you very much, top man, Joseph. Have Cheers, a wonderful Joseph. day, man. Take care. Take care. Cheers. Superb. WBO heavyweight champion of the world there, Joseph Parker. We've got to get him to send us some of his music on the piano. I bet he does that a bit, guy, doesn't he? Listen, he's probably got f- fingers like giant sausages, yeah, like frankfurters. <laughs> and I bet he tickles the piano beautifully. Well, well uh, he can tickle the piano in front of me, but don't be sending any of them, fra- uh, them frankfurters my way or, or towards my chin, <laughs> let me say that. Um, listen, we need to see that fight, don't we? we, we you, you are right, though. Ustinov, with all due respect, we know who he is, but the casual guy on the street doesn't know who he is. We yeah. don't want to see that. We want to see unification of world titles, don't we? One of the big things about the heavyweight division is um, it's 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 great having undefeated champions. It's great having champions that hold two belts. But mandatories getting in the get in the way. Television companies get in the way. Promoters get in the way. Because if we'd had Anthony Joshua on the phone just then, mm. he'd have been saying, "Yeah, bros, I want to do it as well." But the promoters say, "No, hold on. You can make an extra five million here, an extra three million. As jo- uh, yeah, we're when, not we're not talking a couple when, of quid, are we? If we're David Higgins millions. is in church with him right now, he's going to be saying, "Yeah, fifty fifty. You want not thirty five? You just said thirty five. So that maybe knocks your money down by half a million. He does deserve for me three to five million pounds for this fight against Joshua mm. Hearn Sky." Uh, and Joshua make a lot of money every time he fights. It's as simple as that. They they need to reward Parker. Otherwise, they will be accused, Adam, of avoiding him. Mm. And we don't want to see, like you rightly said, 
Joshua against Alexander Ustinov next. We just had a replacement opponent in, in uh, Carlos Takam, mm. super sub with a granite chin because Kubrat Pulev was injured. IBF mandatory out of the way. Let's see a proper unification now. Absolutely. Um, now then, that's the heavyweights out of the way. There's been a little bit of uh, action in Belfast tonight. Uh, Frampton reborn, they were uh, calling it. Was he reborn? Well, we'll get stuck into it next. Don't go anywhere. 